Hi, everybody. This is Stephanie Ruper. Thank you for tuning in to the Meaning of Everything podcast, where we entertain actually genius ideas. Today is episode number 20X, and in it, I am going to discuss uncertainty and how bad we are at managing it. So today's topic is something that is very near and dear to my heart. In last Mondays, in Monday's episode of the podcast, we discussed a lot of different really interesting ideas with Mike Hogue about democracy and the current cultural moment and our ecological and political crises. And one of the things that he, uh, Mike, talked about a lot was uncertainty, that we live in a uniquely uncertain time. This is a cherished idea of mine because I also believe that we live in a uniquely uncertain time. And I do so in, in a different way than Mike does, but our ideas are not antagonistic. They just come from different traditions and different ideas. And I have talked about this idea a lot in various places. And I've mentioned this from time to time, but I am going to explore it at greater depth today. I almost forgot I need to hurry up before I jump into talking about uncertainty. Um, I just need to mention very quickly that this week's winner of the drawing, her name is Sarah B. Sarah gets to choose a book off of a list of books I have listed at stephanierupert.com slash book giveaway. She gets to choose uh, one of those books to get for free because she left a review of the podcast and I am rewarding people who leave reviews of the podcast that way. Take a snapshot of your review while you're making it, email it to tmoeverything at gmail.com, and then you are permanently entered into this magnificent drawing where you can get one of my favorite books for free. So that is that. And now on to the idea of uncertainty in the modern world. If you've been to my website, you know this. And if you've been following me or listening to me uh, consistently, I have mentioned a number of times that I am working on a book tentatively titled The Age of Ambiguity. And in this book, I argue that we live in a uniquely ambiguous time. And not only is it uniquely ambiguous or uncertain compared to all other societies that have ever existed, uh, this is also a problem because humans are fundamentally bad at managing uncertainty. And we're just bad at it. And so I thought it could be useful for me to talk about that today. There's actually so much literature on this and we need to understand what our relationship to uncertainty is because if we do, we can become better humans, I think, essentially. We can become more peaceful and we can become better thinkers and decision makers if we understand how precisely uncertainty affects us. So humans having a problem with uncertainty has been a theme in psychology for many decades, at least now, at least about 50 years. Uh, uncertainty resolution, argued a psychologist named Jerome Kagan as early as 1972, is one of the primary determinants of human behavior. Now, that is to say that resolving uncertainty is one of the primary things that we do in our lives, and we do it so regularly and consistently we don't even notice. Uh, more recently, a psychologist named Ari Kruglansky has said that we need cognitive closure. Cognitive closure he defines as 
the desire for a firm answer to a question and aversion to ambiguity. And Kruglansky has made an entire career studying closed-mindedness, and there, he's written many books on it. And so closed-mindedness is in part a response to the discomfort that we experience in ambiguity. So how do we know that ambiguity is so stressful to us? Really recently, there was a study conducted that demonstrated that stress, one of the most stressful situations for us to possibly be in is to be uncertain. So in 2016, a group of researchers in London published the results of a study they did on people in simulations of uncertainty. So what they did, uh, Archie DeBerker and colleagues, they hooked participants up to a variety of measures of stress. So they measured their pupil dilation, the skin conductance, and their stress hormone levels, their cortisol levels. And they also asked for their subjective reports of their experience of stress during the study. And they had participants predict, they had them play a computer game in which they had to find, predict whether there were snakes under rocks. And if there was a snake under a rock, they got shocked. Now in this study, they had a very sophisticated algorithm that calibrated how predictable the appearance of snakes would be. So what they ended up finding, and this is a very remarkable result, is that the most stressful situation was not when people could predict that they were going to be shocked. So it was not when they knew that they were going to be in pain. The most stressful situation was when they had no idea. And I don't mean no ideas and they were surprised, but rather no ideas and they had the highest amount of uncertainty. The correlation, in fact, was really stunning that the most uncertain a person was in this study, the most stressed out they were by all measures of stress, from the physiological measures to the more, uh, their subjective reporting, which is just remarkable, right? So uncertainty is deeply uncomfortable, and especially under you know, conditions, conditions like this. Now, well, why, why is this, you know, why is this the case? Presumably, it's because knowing our environments, it was very helpful for us in evolutionary history, right? Knowing the shape of our environments, knowing how to react to them. Uh, it was very important for us to have a more clear understanding of what was going on. Now, there were other possible explanations. Existentialist psychoanalysts, such as a man named Ernest Becker, who wrote The Denial of Death, which is a great book. That's on this shelf, actually, this bookshelf. Uh, they have proposed that we also simply may long for a return to a more simple, automated animal being when we are doing things like attempting to close our uncertainty, to achieve Kuglansky's cognitive closure. Uncertainty is a stimulus that causes our body to produce stress hormones. Now, actually, what they found in this study, what Archer DeBerker and colleagues found, was that when people's stress hormone levels were highest, they actually had more successful predictions, or they behaved in a way that enhanced their success in the model. 
And so we can therefore see how this might have been an evolutionary adaptation to uncertainty. Is that uncertainty causing the stress hormones to rise would then cause us to perform better. Now that's very interesting because we also know that our body secretes stress hormones at any time in which our performance is demanded. This is why your hands might shake or your voice might shake when you get up to make a speech and you curse your body because it's doing exactly what you don't need it to do. But ordinarily in stressful times, you would have been chasing a lion or a tiger or something and not getting up and speaking in front of thousands of people, right? Those are two totally different, two totally different circumstances. And so your body is constantly responding to pressure in this way. In fact, uncertainty is almost a kind of pressure in itself. And this is important to note because compounding pressures make the stress that we feel from uncertainty worse, right? So in a situation, they can always make it more stressful if they give it a time limit, right? Because there's more pressure, you have more intensity, your body makes even more stress hormones to get you to keep up with the faster pace of time that is demanded of you, right? This is actually a common way for experimenters to increase the stress of a situation is to give it a, give it a time limit. And so uncertainty falls in this category of deep demands on us to figure out our world and figure out our behavior. It's all about knowing the shape of our world and how we're going to act in it. So this is very helpful on a personal level because we can look at uncertainty as much as it hurts and as much as our anxiety and our stress might hurt, we can actually look at it as something that is trying to help us make a decision and then also push ourselves to make that decision, decision so we may feel more peace, you know, move forward peacefully, get the information we need and assess the situation and make a decision and then move forward. You know, that's something very helpful that we can take away from this information, this sort of insight into the nature of uncertainty and ambiguity. And that can help us be more at peace. It's also important to know that we can become less good thinkers because of our aversion to ambiguity and we can have less good ideas and be less open-minded, right? So we are so averse to ambiguity that from a very young age, we spontaneously generate plausible explanations for things, right? We spontaneously account for new phenomena that we see. It makes sense that we do this. You know, it, it does make sense, but it's really amazing to think about how automatic it is. It's not even something that we have to think about doing. We're just always doing it. And this is important to note because when we do this, when we spontaneously generate a plausible explanation for something, we actually become entrenched in it. It becomes a part of our cognitive framework. It coheres with information that we already have and the information that we already have coheres with this. And so they combine to sort of build this mental infrastructure or explanation and solidify quite quickly. As a matter of fact, if you present somebody with a decision that has to be made or an explanation that has to be contrived, and they arrive at an answer, if you propose contradictory evidence to them just a little bit, just a few minutes after they have arrived at this decision, they will be much less open to the evidence because they have already experienced this cognitive closure. And so you can see how this 
negatively impacts us. And it's especially important to note because there are many different circumstances that make us long for and achieve, seek out and establish this cognitive closure, right? So when we are under stress, when there is a time constraint, when we are emotionally vulnerable, in all of these circumstances, say we need saving from something, you know, we need help with something. In all of these circumstances, we become more disposed to making up our mind too early, right? To closing ourselves off to alternatives. And also the more anxiety and stress we're under, the more predisposed we are, and this is a proven fact, the more predisposed we are to emotional argumentation. So we become less logical when we are immersed in uncertainty and especially when we're not handling it well. And this is something that can make us more dogmatic, that can make us more fundamentalist, right? It can actually cause these types of systems in our society to develop. And that's just really astounding. You know, it's really, really astounding. So perhaps I'll leave it on that note. Humans are really bad at uncertainty and really good at closing it up. You know, something that we can then do in response to that is just simply be aware of it and do what we can to open up those closures that we have put in place. Be willing to adjust our mental infrastructure. Have a little bit of faith in ourselves that this infrastructure can be adjusted healthfully and we don't need to resolve things right now. Tentatively hold the space of some ambiguity as practice for other ambiguities. Do what we can to enhance our comfort in this space of not knowing, perhaps by appreciating the fact that we are being as intellectually honest as possible. We're being open-minded. It might be hard, but it's right. You know, the right thing to do is rarely, rarely the easy thing to do. So these are just some ideas for things that we can do moving forward in light of the fact, knowing how bad we are at uncertainty. This has been episode 20X. Thank you so much for joining me. And we'll be back next week with episodes 21 and 21X. I am very, very, very much looking forward as ever. As a matter of fact, should my schedule go according to plan, I will be having on my ultimate, actually my ultimate philosophical hero of all time. Um, his name is Donald Crosby. And I am very, very much looking forward to talking to him to the, for the first time. So please do join me for one of the most exciting um, encounters with a stranger that I have yet had in my life. Okay, that's it. Thank you again so much for joining me. Please take care and I will talk to you next week. Bye.